Hello, everyone, and welcome to the all-new Physical Therapy Soapbox podcast, hosted by physical therapist Dr. Andrew Rothschild and Dr. Andrew Mann. Today, with easy access to information through the internet, social media, news, as well as from family, friends, and colleagues, it can be challenging to understand not only what is accurate, but also how it applies to you. Our goal with this podcast is to curate and discuss the most up-to-date knowledge related to physical therapy and rehabilitation, as well as other aspects of health, including sleep, nutrition, and stress management. We'll also address many of the myths and misconceptions that have continued to persist within healthcare, despite years of overwhelming evidence against them. This episode is brought to you by the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy in Midlothian, Virginia. Thanks for listening. Uh, for our second episode, we want to get into the topic of physical therapy as a profession, because oftentimes it gets sort of lumped under like a whole treatment, and that can get very confusing. And not always, it, it can also give people a really um, negative misconception of physical therapy as a profession. And the example I usually like to use with people is, you know, a common thing that people will say is, you know, physical therapy didn't work for me or doctors will say so-and-so failed physical therapy, but you don't ever hear somebody say I failed cardiology or dermatology didn't work for me. You know, there are certain treatments that are provided by cardiologists or dermatologists that may or work great for some people and certain ones don't work or not the appropriate ones or don't, not everything works for everybody, but people don't stop going to a cardiologist or never go back to a cardiologist or seek out a different profession. If the cardiac ablation didn't work well the first time uh, for them, you know, but physical therapists and physical therapy in general gets written off. If things don't work, you know, physical th- under underneath the umbrella of physical therapy, there's a lot of different treatments. Uh, there's some main core ones. And then even under that, there's more sort of sub things that you can kind of break it down. And the key is matching the right, treatment for the right individual at the right time. And so we really wanted to kind of talk about that and really get that, give, give people a broader understanding of that whole concept. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the main goals of this podcast is just to reveal all the inner workings of the profession from behind the curtain and let people know kind of exactly what's going on, what physical therapy is. I mean, I, I looked up a research study that I couldn't believe um, that was done in 2012 that showed that less than 7% of patients with musculoskeletal conditions saw a physical therapist. And yep. you know, more people probably know about, I don't know, Brett Favre's copper compression wear than they know about <laughs> physical therapy. So it, it's just a lack of knowledge out there and kind of the greater internet collective knowledge base of people that of what physical therapy is and that it's a profession and not a treatment and that there's lots of different physical therapists out there. I mean, Andrew, I mean, Dr. Rothschild and I consider ourselves the movement musculoskeletal experts in healthcare. And the fact that only 7% of people with that type of injury are accessing us is, is concerning because we feel that we could help a lot of people. Um, avoid surgery, avoid medications and, and things of that nature that are more expensive and potentially harmful. Yeah. And, and to that point, um, sort of what we've been dealing with a uh, big, uh, not, not the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but over the last several years, we've been dealing with an opioid epidemic 
of people who have been prescribed and overprescribed and unnecessarily prescribed opioids that carry with them a uh, severe and profound um, side effects, uh, including death and potential of addiction and addiction to other uh, substances when they're not able to access those drugs anymore. And even the CDC has stated that physical therapy should be one of the first line uh, treatment professions uh, to, for people with persistent pain. Um, and so I think a lot of people, to your point, Andrew, you know, people look at with musculoskeletal pain, they, they time, often defer to physicians like orthopedics, um, which again, which sometimes is very appropriate. But if it's a non-surgical, non-trauma related issue, it's not often what is the best first approach uh, or medication. And even over-the-counter medications, um, Tylenol, uh, anti-inflammatories uh, can, can certainly carry significant uh, detrimental side effects that people don't really know about and doesn't get talked as much about because of the opioid epidemic. Yeah. Exercise is often more effective and does not have side effects yes. other than maybe being sore. So um, we present a very low risk, effective option. It just takes a little bit more hard work and concerted effort, and it's not a magical pill. Um, but in the long run, it's, it's oftentimes much better for your health. Yeah. And the, the main side effects of exercise are uh, moving better, being able to do more, possibly yeah. looking better and uh, being healthier in general. Uh, and those are really the big side effects. And there's, it's also why a lot of when they do studies for medications, or they, or they, they do studies for like the effectiveness in, in certain conditions. It's extremely rare when those things are compared to exercise because they almost always will come out exactly the same or exercise is better. And we're talking about things like blood pressure. We're talking about things like cholesterol. You know, uh, even, even for, for pain, like anti-inflammatories and even uh, opioids, when compared to exercise, often are inferior. Um, the, the medication is inferior to exercise for the condition. So you don't see those studies published by the companies who, who make, these, uh, make these medicines because they don't want, they know what that outcome is going to be and they don't want to put that out publicly. Yeah. And the antidepressants as well. I mean, oh, yeah. with the mental health situation going on in the pandemic we're currently in, uh, it's exercise has been shown to be just as effective as most antidepressants for people struggling with any sort of mood disorder or depression out there. So that's, that's key too. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And that also kind of is a nice segue too to another future ep episode that we, that we have planned is talking about all the different widespread benefits from exercise that we'll get into um, a lot more, a lot more detail with, but you know, you also brought up a really good point with, again, about access to physical therapy and the fact that 7% of people with musculoskeletal issues and back pain often are, are, are only 7% are being seen by a physical therapist. Uh, and that is probably for a variety of reasons. One is just, they don't know, they don't know about physical therapy or, and what physical therapy can do. And part of that is the fault of our, ourselves, our own profession. I think we have to take some responsibility for that in terms of not doing a good job kind of marketing and um, presenting the profession uh, in, a, in a very sort of uh, succinct uh, way as opposed, to, uh, as opposed to other professions. I think chiropractors have done a uh, much better job sort of marketing what they do and associating themselves with like spinal pain and spinal issues and those kinds of things for, for better or worse. I think probably more so for the worse. 
right? <laughs> um, but physical therapists have not done that. And I think part of the problem with that is, is it's what we do is very diverse and very widespread. And, and we're, we do things in a lot of different settings. Um, not just, we don't just treat one thing. Um, so I think that's part of it that makes it tougher. And I think part of it, and you can speak a little bit more to this, Andrew, is just historically where sort of physical therapy came from and that, that ha- how that has affected people's perceptions, I think, of the profession. Right. And that's, yeah, you hit on the, the perception of the public and the perception of patients um, on what physical therapy is is a big limiting factor. Um, and it's just, it seems to stem from the fact that we used to be a service that doctors ordered, right? We used to be an intervention or just kind of like prescribing a pill, your doctor prescribes you physical therapy, right? So it didn't really matter who your physical therapist was. It was all pretty vanilla treatment. You know, you go lay on a hot pack, you get massaged. It wasn't a very advanced profession in the beginning. And it's come a long way to the point where direct access, which we'll have a, an episode on in the future, um, allows us to see patients without them even having to see a doctor first. So we're completely separate from doctors at this point. We're our own doctoring profession. And we, it's partially our fault. Like you said, we're not good at identifying ourselves to the public and presenting a coherent, um, well thought out uh, plan of how to access physical therapy or defining our role. And it's just, you know, it can all kind of come down to what someone says when you ask them about their rehab or how's it going or where do you go? They say, I'm going to physical therapy. They don't say, I'm going to see my physical therapist or I'm going to see Dr. Rothschild or I'm going to see Dr. Mann. It's more based on this generic physical therapy is the same. Whereas at this point, it's, it's so diverse um, and there's so many, so much different training and levels of training that it really matters who you're saying. Yes, 100%. And to your point, too, going back to sort of, you know, the origins of physical therapy, you know, physical therapy really started sort of around, around the time of World War II. And it kind of evolved out of uh, the nursing profession. Um, and it started right. with, you know, and that's, and again, so nursing was always under physicians as well. And that's where physical therapy historically had been under physicians. And it was always something that, you know, like you said, physicians ordered physical therapists were sort of subservient in that sense, but it's evolved now to be a completely different profession, much like other special, like dentistry is a different profession uh, and much like other specialties under medicine, cardiology, rheumatology, dermatology, whatever, physical therapy is its own um, autonomous profession. And with that, like you said, comes that ability. And that's available now in, I think, pretty much all 50 states to a certain degree. It's a little bit different state to state in Virginia, where we are. Uh, there is, you have, we have 30 days. Uh, ideally, it should be complete total uh, ability. But for now, we have 30 days where uh, patients can come see us without needing a um, physician referral. Um, yeah. And then also, like, you, like, you know, we talked about the, some of the challenge with physical therapy is that is there's a lot of things and that we do and we're in lots of different places. I mean, physical therapists are in the hospital. So, you know, after our surgeries or a stroke or even now with people having be, be hospitalized because of COVID, uh, physical therapists are on those front lines playing a role in 
trying to improve people's health in terms of getting up out of bed, getting active, getting mobile, doing exercises, trying to restore function, improve health, those kinds of things. And that's very different than what, you know, you and I do. You know, there's, there's physical therapists that go to people's homes and do things again, helping people negotiate stairs, recovering from surgery, recovering from uh, other types of injuries, strokes, heart attacks, um, just being immobile for a long time. You know, so you're doing stuff in the home. There's physical therapists in long-term care facilities. So again, people who have had strokes or brain injuries. There's, you know, there's neurological. There's a lot of PTs that do a lot of ne- working with neurological patients, amputees. There's PTs who work with kids. And, you know, there's all types of in pediatrics. There's all types of uh, issues with sort of developmental delays, both physically and sort of cognitively. You know, and then there's the outpatient physical therapist and there's sports med physical therapist. Kind of that's more towards the area of what we do. And then you have even ones that go even further specialized than that, sort of within that realm. Yeah. If if you're not overwhelmed yet as a patient listening to this, then just keep listening. Because within our own orthopedic outpatient physical therapist, I think it's the, the standard mold that most people think of a physical therapist as somebody you go see at a clinic, um, there are even more specialties, right? There's women's health, Mm -hmm. there's pediatrics, there's, um, you know, therapists who have had a significant experience working with the spine, like Dr. Rothschild and, and enjoy that. There's, we have a therapist at our clinic who works with gymnasts. I, I enjoy working with runners. I mean, there's unlimited number of specialties and it just shows you how diverse and important it is um, to find the right physical therapy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even within that, you know, we look at, you know, I think if you ask the average person on the street, like, you know, what does a physical therapist do? A lot of them will probably say stretching and exercise as, as probably the main things would be my guess. Um, or maybe even they might even throw massage in there, you know, mm-hmm. um, you might even mention something about putting some electric things on you or ultrasound, like we talked about uh, in our previous episode. Yeah, you know, and, and it's thankfully it's become a lot more um, diverse than that. I mean, the big, the, the, I think one thing I want to impart to listeners is that um, physical therapists should be the main uh, specialist that helps to diagnose a musculoskeletal issue, or you know. Um, initially and determine the appropriate plan of care. Now, in, in some case, you know, in, in some countries, I should say, I, I think Australia as well, physical therapists are that first contact. If you have an ankle sprain or an injury or back pain or this, your first contact in the healthcare field is not a physician. It is a physical therapist. And then the physical therapist is the one that makes that determination. Does this person need more advanced care than what I can provide, such as do they need some advanced imaging? Do they, are they actually probably looking at some of that? Oh, they probably maybe need an injection or surgery or um, some strong medication. Then they refer them to that specialist. And so they kind of have it right. We kind of have it reversed in this country right now, but we really should be that first point of contact from a musculoskeletal health standpoint. And, and that's why, what some people might say you see an overutilization of medical services or when you go to see an orthopedist first or even your primary care physician first, they might give you a medication you don't need. They might give you an injection you don't need. They might take imaging you don't need. 
and I can send you down a path that you never would have gone down if you would have just benefited from the conservative treatment of seeing a physical therapist, um, benefiting from some manual therapy, some exercise, some reassurance that nothing major was wrong. And it, it might have healed up a lot quicker in the long run. Yeah. And we're going to get into this, even the details with this even more in our next episode on direct access. Um, certainly those, some of you listening might be thinking that obviously uh, we are taking a very biased approach uh, being physical therapists. And I would, to that, I would say, yes, we are. But however, the, the evidence also bears the same out. And there's a lot of evidence uh, published over multiple years from multiple journals showing that both the cost savings and the outcomes of seeing a physical therapist first before seeing a physician uh, for most musculoskeletal issues is a lot better. The outcomes are better. You get better quicker, you return to activities quicker, and you save a whole lot more money because you're less likely to be prescribed uh, potentially harmful medications, less likely to receive injections, less likely to receive surgery. And all those things uh, can really sometimes com compound uh, the, per the, the perceived severity of the issue and it can also increase the likelihood of people developing more persistent symptoms. So our, our goal, because we're passionate about what we do and we know what the research shows as well, is we want people uh, to get this information so they know that to get better quicker to avoid kind of going down these dangerous paths like you talked about, Andrew, um, really physical therapy should be that um, first point of contact. Right. I mean, we, we don't want people to get the wrong idea that this is some self-promotional podcast to glorify our egos. Um, this this is purely meant to help people in a very complicated and confusing healthcare system in the United States make the best decisions possible for themselves. And and we're both very passionate about that because we've seen how it can go wrong. Um, you know, just this last week, I I have a patient who's been to see multiple specialists and she keeps going back and forth on whether she, she needs surgery or not. And she obviously doesn't. She just had imaging early on that made her scared that something might be permanently wrong. But when she goes through the physical therapy, she, she gets better. And, and all of that is really unnecessary. And I, I, I'm, I'll tell patients too, that I'm the first to say that if I don't think that you're going to benefit from what that we can provide or what I think you need something more, I'll be the first to let you know that you need to go do something else. I had a, almost the opposite of your story, Andrew. I had a patient uh, within the past couple of months uh, who's in her early fifties and is trying to avoid having a hip replacement. And that with the first visit, I told her, you need a hip replacement <laughs> because <laughs> how her emotion was and her pain and her limitations was like, it's admirable. And I was like, I'm, I'm usually the first person telling people you don't need to, trying to help people avoid surgery. You don't need these unnecessary imaging. You don't need these unnecessary procedures that I think will actually not be helpful. But I said, but in your case, you, this is what you actually probably will get the most benefit from from a, from a pain and quality of life, this is going to, this is, that is actually going to be what you need. And I think that actually also helped her from a mindset standpoint, feel a lot more confident that it was the right thing for her too. And that's right. the thing, you know, physical yeah. therapy is not going to be for, it's not the only thing for every condition. It's just one thing that it can help a lot of musculoskeletal issues, but that's also why there are injections. That's also why there are surgery because those are, uh, important things when done at the right for the right person and, and in the right situation. Yes. So, so if you're listening to this 
And I know I just said we're not trying to be self-promotional, but we do want to give people listening in the Richmond area a heads up that we both work at the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy. And, you know, I'm a little biased, but I think there are a lot of great talented and diverse therapists that work there. So um, if you wanted to get in contact with us, then you'd most likely find someone that, that worked well with you. And I think what's unique, one of the unique things about our clinic is um, the people who work at the front desk are very good about finding the right therapist for the right patient. They really interview the patient on the phone and try to stick them with the right therapist because they understand that even if someone's super talented, if the personalities don't get along or they're just not into treating the type of issue that patient has, then it's not the best physical therapist for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's what we've done too, is trying to build a group. We have a team of people who treat um, a variety of things. We've kind of, we've kind of make sure that we can, most people who call, we have, oh yeah, we have somebody, we have the right person that, that can address those things. Like you said, Andrew, you have a, you know, we all can treat pretty much everything. We do have individuals with specific interests in things like concussion, you know, both Dr. Mann and I, myself, are very passionate about treating concussions, um, jaw issues like TMD. We have, we have one of our therapists who has a profound interest in pelvic health issues, Andrew, as well with, with running and, and running rehab and running health. We have another therapist with um, specific interests, especially with gymna- gymnastics and cheerleading. She was a highly competitive cheerleader, so working with those type of athletes, uh, persistent pain as well, you know, back pain, neck pain, headaches, those kinds of things. So we really cover uh, a, a wide variety um, and can meet most people's needs. And I think that leads to just one thing that we should kind of wrap up with, Andrew, is that, you know, again, going back to the whole thing with the profession of physical therapy, it's with under, under that umbrella of physical therapy, there's several treatments that are options. You know, not everyone needs every type of treatment, but we do have a lot of, we do have a sort of a diverse skill set, and we can pick from that to apply what we think is the right thing for the uh, person at that time, and also what the evidence shows is the appropriate and best thing uh, for that certain condition or for that individual. You know, you have, right. you have exercise, of course, um, which is sort of the, the, probably the main staple, but you also have other things like manual therapy. And with that, it, there's a loss of this, you know, under those umbrellas, again, of exercise and manual therapy, there's lots of other little, you know, tweaks and variations and subsets of, of and different people have different sort of, uh, backgrounds and, and training with, with those kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, I think two really important ones to point out are uh, manipulation. Um, a lot of people think if you want your back popped or your neck popped, you have to go to your chiropractor. That's not true. Physical therapists do that as well. Um, and we're highly trained in that, especially at our clinic. Um, and then the other one's dry needling. Um, a lot of people think if they need acupuncture or they want to try something, some sort of treatment involving needles like that to promote muscle relaxation and decrease pain, that they need to go to an acupuncturist or they need to go to their doctor. Physical therapists do dry needling, um, and that can be very helpful too. And and those are just some of the treatments we can apply um, to help you get better. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, we'll have a whole sort of, you know, few episodes on exercise. Um, not only what exercise is good for, but also just different types of exercise. And I think people sometimes have a, 
a fear about exercise or fear of movement sometimes. And that's really one of the big goals with sometimes movement and exercise that we, in terms of how we, how we educate people about it or how we provide it is, is really trying to help try, try to set people up for success and try and help people overcome their fears of movement avoidance. You know, a lot of people who've had persistent pain, they, they get stuck in this cycle of they have pain. So they avoid activities. So they're less active, which leads to more pain, which, you know, so on and so forth. So really, exposing people to different movements in a you know safe environment to, to uh, build confidence and to let them to kind of show that they can show themselves that they can do a lot more than they're capable of i think that's one of the big goals of exercise and it's not that you have this condition you should do x y and z exercise and that sometimes will drive drive us crazy is that when um a patient may go see an orthopedist or even a primary care doctor, you know, well-meaning, you know, they're well-intended. Sometimes they just get a sheet of exercises. Oh, you have shoulder pain, do these exercises. You know, exercise is really highly individualized. There's a, you know, you have shoulder pain. Now I can list off the top of my head, 50 different exercises that you could potentially do for shoulder pain, but which ones are the right ones for you as the individual? That's what we need to determine. And that's what we figure out kind of working together what the right ones for you are, what's the right timing of the exercises, what's the right dosage of those exercises. And, and someone just giving you a sheet cannot really provide that for you. Yeah. If you, if you really want to get under your uh, physical therapist skin, <laughs> um, say they, they stretched you too aggressively or they, or they gave you too much weight on your last exercise, just tell them that you've had physical therapy before and it didn't work or you're, your doctor gave you exercises and they didn't work. So you don't understand why they could help you. Um, because what we're trying to point out with this podcast is that every physical therapist is different. Every interaction you have, you know, you go to an orthopedist for a consultation, you get their opinion. I think the, the power of physical therapy is not only are you getting education or our opinion or consultation while we're talking to you about your, your issue, you're also going through exercises at the same time and you're getting that physical feedback. Um, so it, it just provides multiple styles of learning at the same yeah. time. And, and you, you kind of brought up a good point, Andrew, whether you meant, meant to or not, that at least made me think of something is that um, the idea of, you know, the people's perceptions of physical therapy of as, you know, I think historically, you know, people will say pain and torture, right? PT is like pain and right. torture, physical terrorists, these kinds of things. And that really, I think, has added historically to the negative perception that people have about physical therapy. And that's really, we're kind of out, that's one of my missions is really out to change that, is that, you know, most people should leave physical, a physical therapy appointment feeling better. Yeah, sometimes you're a little bit sore because of movement, you know, especially if you've had surgery, there's really no way around being a little bit sore because you're going to have to move things and, and strengthen things. And it's going to be a little bit uh, disruptive to how to, you know, it's, it helps the healing process, but it's sort of disruptive to the um, sort of the body's desire to not do things when you're, when you're dealing with, with uh, surgery. But, you know, usually people leave feeling better than they, when they walked in, they're moving better. They, they have less pain. They have less stiffness, they're able to do things they haven't done. And that's kind of how it should be on a, on a pretty consistent basis. Not that you're dreading. We don't. We don't. We don't have people usually that dread come to physical therapy. We're we're pretty blessed that 
in terms of the way we do things and the patients that we see, people often look forward to coming to physical therapy because they know that they're going to be getting a good experience and they're going to be feeling better. And we have their best interest in mind in terms of what we do. Everything is sort of framed around what, what, like if you come in to see me, it's what, what are your goals? What do you want from this? That's what we're working for. It's not what I want from it. It's what really you want from it. It's not what I want to do. It's what is going to be best for you to meet those goals. Yeah, that's um, if you if you are leaving your physical therapy clinic appointments in more pain or more sensitive or with less motion, then maybe you should find a new physical therapy clinic. I mean that that reputation drives me a little crazy too. I mean I don't my, I don't it's hard to hurt my feelings, but I have had patients in the past walk in and like oh ready for some more pain and torture, and you know I wanted to point out to them that they left feeling better and in less pain most visits but but it's just an old it is and, I, and, I, and hopefully we're we're as a profession we're working towards towards changing that and you know change this, these things are slow sometimes change is slow but again that's not to you know beat a dead horse but really that is the one of the goals of these podcasts is just another avenue to tr- sort of spread um, a positive message uh, about physical therapy did you have any other uh, closing thoughts there andrew no, I mean, I, I think we covered our, we can jump off our soapbox now on physical Perfect. therapy. As a profession. <laughs> That's why it's aptly named. Well, if people want yeah. to uh, find you on social media and kind of see what you're putting out into the world, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram is probably the best way. Uh, my handle is runningmandpt. Excellent. And I will post a link, of course, on in the show notes. And you can find me at Spear underscore Physio, also on Instagram, primarily for PT-related info. All right. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you all next time. All right. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Physical Therapy Soapbox podcast. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Please leave us a five-star review and even tell your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, anybody who you might think would benefit from this information about us. For more information on the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy, you can find us on the web at vcsst.com. And for any questions you'd like to have maybe answered on the podcast, you can email me at andrew at vcsst.com.